Well, what if it was like Bros 2 and uh, uh, Billy on the Street was into Dave Bautista? I don't know how Bros. I didn't There's see Bros. There's no way that Billy Eichner is into Dave Bautista. Well, not with that attitude, but maybe like in a movie, <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 493 of the podcast. I'm your host, Knox McCoy. And I'm your other host, Jamie Golden. The podcast is a show dedicated to delightful idiocy. We're committed to educating you on things entertained do not matter. To find out more about these Georgianian pursuits, check us out at knoxandjamie.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Popcast, and we're on Twitter at PopcastPod. Thanks for joining us this week as we are going to be explaining Michael B. Jordan. But before we do that, it's a busy week for our B-Fots on Patreon. Last Friday, they got the newest cinema side piece on 2010's Valentine's Day. Then on Monday, they got The More You Know, where we talked about TikTok, where Knox is going on spring break, sex scenes on TV, the new trailer for Tetris, and more. And then this Friday, February 24th, we release our What Should I Watch Next episode, where B-Fots have submitted their favorites and least favorite TV shows, and we recommend four to five shows they should watch next. So if you want to get in on any of that action, just click the link in the show notes or go to knoxandjb.com slash Patreon and become a B-Fots today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, Jamie, uh, let's, let's get to this conversation about I've Michael waited. I've waited almost 10 years to have this conversation. Look, and this is so important, too, because I feel like a lot of people are like, why are they talking about Michael Basketball Jordan? Um, and we're not talking about him. We're actually talking about my, the real Michael Jordan. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, Jamie. <gasps> say uh, this it. is a real Michael Jordan. Okay. Michael, Michael Basketball Bay, Jordan. Michael Bay Jordan is better than Michael Basketball Jordan. He's the actual goat. This little spoiler of how I feel about him for this episode. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have I have a lot of good things to say. We probably uh, have affinities for him very different ways, you know, as we will what? discuss oh, as yeah. we go okay. sure uh, in this conversation. But uh, but yeah, so Michael B. Jordan, for people listening, like why like why now? Why talking about Michael uh, B. Jordan now, Jamie? Like what's the what's the deal here? So I think there are three reasons. First, obviously, he is the hot 
V, 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 V hot. Okay. And obviously you want to talk about hot people because it's fun to talk about even in an audio format. You Mm -hmm. can still just Google him and you can look at him while we talk about it. Second, he is all over the place because his movie Creed 3 comes out on March 4th, which is also his directorial debut. Which is very very fun. And then third, I think the reason is he lived with his parents until he was 33. And I think that's worthy of a conversation of how does a hot, talented actor live with his mom and dad until he's 33? You know, I think it is. You know, can I just give my theory really quick on why he did that? I think he saw all the dudes out there having some troubles, you know, and he's like, I want to make them feel better. I want to (laughs) normalize, you know, because like when you're grading on a curve. Now, like you have to, you have to factor in that Michael B. Jordan lived with his parents, so like it raises all these schlubby dudes up a little bit. Maybe inspires them. That's but you know theory. what the interesting thing is? If you came to him on Tinder and it said, and you looked at his face, and you'd be yeah. like, "Yes, please," but then it says, "I live with my mom and dad," you'd be like, "Huh? Okay, okay." You're so probably I still going to take a shot, though. You're probably still going to take a shot on it, oh, right? Yeah, for that face? Are you kidding? I don't care where the face lives. I just need to be near the face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, we're going to talk all, uh, all all sides, all aspects of Michael B. Jordan. Before we get into the specifics of it, let's go over the scouting report, basically. And these are for people, or this is for people who, you know, maybe some flyover Karens who aren't really sure who Michael B. Jordan is. Maybe they yes. are thinking Michael Basketball Jordan. And they're, and we say, just like Inside Baseball a little bit, we say Michael Basketball Jordan because uh, on the Bible binge, I think we, uh, man, it, it was an early episode when we didn't think the Bible bench was going to keep going. So we <laughs> right. were just casting like lots of people because there was no long view of what the show would be. I think we cast Michael B. Jordan as somebody pretty, um, I don't know, very, very supporting actor oh, uh, it territory. Was, it was Ham from the Thank Noah you. episode. Okay. So one That's of right. Noah's kids. So we burned that casting choice pretty quickly. Yes. And then, you know, later in the life of the show, when we, we thought, man, this is like a pretty good role for like what would be Michael B. Jordan. We thought, let's just like revise history a little bit and say that we meant Michael B. Jordan B for basketball uh, in that original episode. So we can we can actually have Michael B. Jordan here to cast later on. And I don't remember who actually casted him as I later was looking on. for and I can't. I want to say it was like Solomon or something. And it is Solomon, which is a perfect casting, by the way. Like, it's much better than Ham. It's just much better than Ham. It's much better. Okay. And that's worthy of Michael Basketball Jordan. So That's right. That's right. So um, Michael B. Jordan, um, he is, uh, I, I would say, you know, he's, uh, I, I don't know if it like this fits necessarily, but I call him like an elite triple threat actor in, in uh, the ways that, that you've kind of already alluded to. He's super hot. Okay, he yes. just is. Yes. And I think that sounds superficial and that sounds stupid, but that's actually like a really important thing in terms of Hollywood. And I think for the kinds of roles that Michael B. Jordan is in, because you could argue, and I might argue this maybe later in this episode, he's close to being too hot, right? He's flying yes. too close to the hot sun, yes. too close to the I work out sun. But for now, he's in an appropriate level. So like, he is aesthetically pleasing. He is a legit leading man. He is a legit action star. These are the three things we talk about when we talk about Michael B. Jordan, because not only can he make you cry, but he can also make his enemies in a Tom Clancy adaptation cry on Amazon, <laughs> which maybe got 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, but your boy gave it 99%. I love that movie. I watched it on a plane twice, Jamie. I watched it and I loved it so very much. But that's, wow. you know, that's what we talk about when we talk about Michael Jordan. Ron Tomatoes wise, his average movie score is 68.5. That feels a little low. The biggest contributing factors to that are, you know, his big budget, like the big swings 
they're in the 80s and the 90s. And the one-offs or passion projects or where he just wants to work with Denzel Washington, those kind of uh, drop that score a little bit. Um, also, you're, you're probably thinking Fantastic Four in that awkward moment. Michael B. Jordan, that yeah. drags that score down a little bit. And I think, you know, he's seemingly at this point the muse of Ryan Coogler, uh, the director of Fruitvale Station, Black Panther 1 and 2, and, and Creed. Ryan Coogler, the director probably of a generation. You could mention Ryan Coogler, Barry Jenkins, Damon Chazelle-ish. And they're all kind of in that vaunted air. And I would say, if you're going to watch a Michael B. Jordan movie, um, just for the scouting report, I would say you, you want to watch Black Panther. You want to watch Fruitvale. And I would actually say Chronicle. I think Chronicle, because that's oh, early yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. He's not quite who he is in your mind yet. And that gives you a sense of what's to come. No, that's perfect. That's a perfect now, choice. Now, let's talk about where Michael B. Jordan uh, came from, Jamie. Michael B. Jordan. Michael. I'm gonna call, I want to call him Michael B. Jordan the whole time, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that in this episode. So he was born February 9th. Obviously, that's important to know because he's an Aquarius, independent, realistic, unconventional, but a dreamer. You know what I mean? And so he was born in California to Donna and Michael A. Jordan. So he was not named after Michael Basketball Jordan. Mm, He was mm. named after his father. So his middle name is Bakari. And um, he has a brother and sister. They were in California for a couple of years. And then they moved to New York, New Jersey, where he grew up. He becomes a model at age 12. His mom takes him on an audition because he couldn't figure out what he wanted to be interested in, like sports wise. And so she was like, well, let's try some other stuff then. And so he, of course, even at 12 was like a little cutie and he starts doing modeling and then he moves on to acting. He does some one episode offs on Cosby, The Sopranos. And at 14, he gets his first movie, Hardball with Keanu Reeves. Do you know what hardball is about? Would you like to guess? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and what man. is Keanu Reeves and what is Michael B. Jordan in hardball? This is tough because uh, my my impulse would be this is something around sports, but I don't think it is. I think it's something – it's criminal – some kind of criminal situation uh-huh. where Keanu Reeves is playing, quote, hardball with someone. Okay. So you're very close, but you should have gone with your gut. So oh, Ke- man. I know Keanu Reeves is a ticket scalper and gambler. And now he's become a little league coach for a ragtag team of mostly uh, kids of color, which feels weird. But he, Jimmy, his buddy's not going to pay off his gambling debts unless Keanu coaches Jimmy's corporately sponsored team. What? And, That's and, the those are the terms of the agreement. I would right. love to get that deal. And Keanu gets attached to these little kids who have sometimes tragic lives, and he gets attached to their attractive white school teacher, Diane Lane. I just I can't imagine someone seeing Point Break and being like, "We need to get more sports with Keanu Reeves." That's the guy <laughs> exactly. here. This will be great. Well, but this role in Hardball uh, leads to what really kicks off his what we would start to recognize him in. His next role at age fifteen is Wallace on the wire while he's doing that role he attends a performing arts high school where his mom works at 16 now he leaves the wire and if you've seen it (laughs) it's very tough but at 16 there is one role on a soap opera of a troubled teen all right and that troubled teen's name is reggie now reggie Mm. already exists in the all my children universe but the actor who's playing him is wanting to leave and go on to bigger and better things and that actor is chadwick boseman and so in comes in comes michael to play this role for three years he plays this role and then his contract was not renewed okay so at this point he's 19 he has to make some decisions about college or continuing to try to be a working actor and he just keeps auditioning and for three years he just auditions and auditions let me tell you where he ends up a lot on a procedural crime show, pick your pick your poison, CSI, mm-hmm. without a trace, cold case, burn notice, bones, 
Like all of them. He I bet they're all, all really thoughtful roles too, you know? I'm sure they're all ragtag something. Yep. Like not at all cliche or generic. <laughs> I know. So at twenty two, he gets a big casting, and that is he gets cast as quarterback Vince Howard on season four and season five of Friday Night Lights by showrunner Jason Kadams, who then while he's on Friday Night Lights, he also casts him in Parenthood, where he did sixteen episodes at the same time as Hattie Braverman's boyfriend. Fun fact, Hattie Braverman is one of the worst characters who's ever existed on television. I, man, l- listen, if you think Michael B. Jordan has had it easy his whole life, he hasn't because he went from a show with Gracie Bell um, and then <laughs> Hattie Braverman. And it's just like, that's tough. That's like him earning his way to the forefront, I think. That's right. And so he's he's really consistently working until at age 26, he finally gets what would be considered his huge break. And it is mm-hmm. a big break. He stars as Oscar Grant in Fruitvale Station directed by Ryan Coogler, who goes on to win awards because this is his directorial debut. Mm -hmm. And Michael B. Jordan has been in every Ryan Coogler film and is in the one that is currently in production. So they, like you said, he's a muse and that Mm -hmm. ends up opening up the world to him. He gets named as like a breakout star, a 30 under 30, Variety, People, GQ, Entertainment Weekly, all are like, this is the one to watch. And they are correct man i uh i don't want to zoom past the fact that diane lane was in hardball because oh, okay. I just, we're going back to that <laughs> i'm i can't i can't believe that and i i was looking at her imdb do you realize she was the mom in inside out the mom who decides to like just uproot <gasps> no! the, the children and throw <laughs> them in the existential crisis i did not like, realize that i did listen i went through a diane i went through a diane fra- diane lane phase like yeah. what's that hot movie where she's hot with that hot guy you are trying to make me identify unfaithful as if I know that very quickly. But that, she's hot. That is a maybe hot you meet Knights and Rodanthe. Maybe that's the one you need. <laughs> you're thinking. I, I don't know for sure. But yeah. So so Michael B. Jordan. I, I think he is. Um. I th- well, you know, and we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording. I think the weird part of Michael B. Jordan is he is such a mainstay of culture. Like he's a fixture. We know who he is. I think most people, um, even tangentially engaged with pop culture has an idea of who he is. He doesn't really have that much. Like he hasn't done as much as you would think he like, maybe not as prolific as we think he is, but I think even more, I think the narrative of, Hey, this guy started very early. He is a literal child star. And I think now to be who he is, it's tough to be a child star and not be just like a complete bozo and a complete like freak show because of how crazy and difficult and weird Hollywood is. And, and now like force multiply that with Michael B. Jordan and, and the different roles he's had to play and maybe some of the um, casting sheets he's been given, which I would imagine are not as diverse as we would hope so. Um, I think it's just like a small miracle that he is. He seems to be as together as he is. Well, maybe the miracle is exactly what we said earlier, which is he's lived with his mom and dad until he was 33. And it was, you know, it wasn't like you can have a Coke binge yeah. in the living room when your parents are watching Wheel of Fortune. Do you know I what mean, I mean? I mean, you can. It's just, it's not, it's, it's a, not well, fun for anybody. A, that's a Cyrus family tradition. That's not yeah. like other family traditions. Sure. So. That's the only way to get through Wheel of Fortune is to have a Coke binge because that's a, that's a crawl, <laughs> man. It is tough. Uh, Jamie, when you're thinking about Mike B. Jordan, like right now, like in this current moment, um, I want to think in terms of, is he generally overrated, underrated, or properly rated? I would say... My default would say would be underrated, okay. and I know there's probably some personal biases there, but I would say underrated for kind of what we were discussing. I don't think he's as prolific as we thought he, uh, or maybe people assume he is. I don't think he plays the game of celebrity well. Uh, even like researching this, 
you know, he'll come out to play when he's got a project to promote or support. But beyond that, he's not like, hey, I've got to be here. I want to do this. I want to host a BuzzFeed show. Let me do a game show. Let me like do this uh, takeover of GQ or whatever. I don't think he he tends to play that. I don't think he plays the tablet game. So I think in terms of maybe his acting talent, I would say slight underrated. But in just in terms of like a general celebrity, um, I would say very underrated. No, I agree. I do. And I think I might have come into this thinking properly rated. But I actually, because I, I agree with everything you said, but I also think, I do not think Hollywood knows what to do with a hot man of color who's mm. also a talented actor. And I don't just mean directors and screenwriters. I also think talent agents don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Managers don't know what to do with it. And casting directors don't know what to do with it because, and we'll get into you. I think there is a, there is a path for him that is actually where I think he can be really successful, but he's got to let go of some of the things that his agent, his managers have Mm -hmm. said you should do because he's kind of coming upon at 36, which we wouldn't think that's old, but he's about to transition into he's it's almost like he's at two roads diverged in a way yes. and he can make a decision about his career and i think up until now yeah and even it, just talking about that early imdb like this is a talented kid who is just playing poor like even in even in friday night lights i just want to go yeah the poorest people in texas are white like they're all <laughs> white true. y'all like yeah. they're all white and so I, it was just so weird that he just got typecast yeah. As a like a black youth, you know, and l- what else could he be but like on the verge of crime? And yeah. and so now he has and I, I think Hollywood is now finally catching up because more people are sitting at the table that can go, hey, you know, he could be like a romantic lead or he could be, you know, all these other things. And so that's why I think he's underrated because I don't think he's being used to his capacity. Yeah. You know, and I think part of me wonders if. Because, uh, man, like he's 36. He doesn't feel 36, right? I feel like he, no. he he looks both like his face, just like aesthetically as pleasing as it is, but also how in shape he is. Yeah. He does not seem 36. He seems a lot uh, younger. And I often want to lump him in with the Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Jonathan Majors group of they're all generally the same age. And it's, he's not that much older than that crew. But I think generationally he is because he was a child star because I mean, you know, not like he was like Jason Bateman and blowing it out of the ballpark uh, from an early age. He still had to grind to get there. But I think in terms of, uh, I I think he belongs to a different generation. So I think uh, you're exactly correct. The roles that maybe some of like a, I would have thought Judas and the black Messiah was a perfect role for him. I do think He's probably, I don't know what the word is, uh, more commercial yes. than a Daniel Kaluuya or Lakey Stanfield. So I think he is at the point where does he choose to go to be very commercially appealing? And not, I, I do think he's even um, different from you know some of the Marvel guys who've sold out to Marvel and only really exist unto Marvel. Because I think of him in contrast with like a, like a Chris Evans. I think uh, Michael Jordan... No shade to Chris Evans. I think he has much more interesting acting choices. And I think he is... He has more interesting performances in his resume, but I think he has the opportunity to lean all the way in and maybe, for example, go like full Tom Clancy and just do all that stuff. Or maybe he can make some really creative, interesting, thoughtful choices. Uh, It it really depends on what his North Star is, and maybe we can get to maybe predicting or or speculating what that is. Well, and I just want to say for on the record that I had no idea Jonathan Majors is the same age as Taylor Swift. What? I did not know that either. What are you talking about? Like, what? he's 33? What's he talking about? That's crazy. Like, I, I think I thought 
Jonathan Majors was like 48. Oh, you thought he was old. See, I, 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 I don't oh, know why yeah. I thought he was younger. Well, and I was thinking that because obviously Jonathan Majors is the opponent in Creed 3. Yes. But fighting and they're childhood friends. And I was like, wow, that's a stretch. And I didn't realize <laughs> the stretch is actually that Michael B. Jordan is young enough to be childhood friends with Jonathan Majors. I mean, now that I'm saying it out loud, you are correct in if I had to, if I saw them in a lineup, I would be like that one guy's older than the other guy for sure. Yeah, right, and I wouldn't right. have picked Michael B. Jordan. You no, know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. But yeah, I think, um, I think it's very interesting to think about where, where has he been? Where is he going? Especially in contrast to some of his peers who maybe uh, not that Michael B. Jordan has had the freedom to make choices, like go big, big commercial, big franchise versus small niche roles. Um, but I think maybe he's probably had more freedom uh, than some of those other guys have. Yeah, no, for sure. So the weather's getting warmer and I'm so excited to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to dresses and tees. I'm so glad that I found Quince because not only can I update my wardrobe for the long haul, but I can do it without spending a fortune. Even penthouse Jamie, she's trying to save her cash dollars in this economy. But y'all know how I value quality and I want to find timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Now, Quince has just restocked their $40 linen wide leg pant, which I am super bummed to try. They have such a nice drape to them and they're 100% linen, which means they'll be super breathable. And I'll feel like I'm wearing no pants at all, which is my preference. I'm also loving the look of the organic cotton gauze roll sleeve shirt, which is also $40. Guys, true story. Like they have great pieces. I am obsessed with the cardigan I have and the sunglasses I have. The Leon sunglasses are dope. Their prices truly cannot be beat. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics. They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass that savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pop for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash pop to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pop. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big, small ones, whether it's the stress that comes with planning a big event, having to redo the electrical in your entire house unexpectedly, or simply having to go on a picnic lunch when you'd rather be home pantless watching your favorite show. Stress is truly a universal experience that if left unchecked can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest and work through anything that's weighing you down, big or small. I've truly noticed such a difference in my stress level since I started therapy years ago, making it a priority and a consistent part of my routine has allowed me to relieve my stress in a very safe environment instead of bottling it all. As someone who has a hard time sitting in my feelings, it's given me the habit of reflection so I can identify and deal with stressors early on before they overwhelm me. BetterHelp is a convenient, flexible, and entirely online, making it easy to stay consistent. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash popcastpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash podcastpod. All right, picture this. It's finally getting warmer and you're picking up the after work run or a workout, but it's 4 p.m. and you're ready for a little snack to keep you going. What you want is something with clean, wholesome ingredients, but it's hard to find a snack that is great on the go and also fills you up enough to make a difference. Get ready to find out how good healthy snacks can taste with Chomps. We're big fans of Chomps in my house because not only is it so easy and convenient, but it's made with natural ingredients that taste great. Whether I'm prepping for recordings or taking one of the kids to one of their many end-of-year activities, I always have a Chomp stick with me. They're also allergy-friendly, so I never have to worry about one of the kids deciding they want to take it with them. Chomp sticks come in 10 delicious, bold flavors, so there's a healthy snack option for everyone 
or grab a variety pack to satisfy your whole family's taste buds. They're even smaller chomplings for a quick snack for any kids in your life. Right now, Chomps is offering our listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash popcast. Go to chomps.com slash popcast to see all the delicious flavors and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash popcast. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor, Aura Frames. It's Knox here with your annual reminder that Mother's Day is just around the corner this year. Let's think outside the box a little bit, guys. Forget sweaters, candles, or the dreaded bathrobe. They're all so predictable and boring. That's why this year I'm recommending you get an Aura Frame. It's the perfect gift to mix things up and give a gift that shows some real thoughtfulness and is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. We actually have one of these in our house right now, and we absolutely love it. It only takes about two minutes to set up, and it was super easy. Between all the kids, I was a little worried we'd run out of room, but it has free unlimited storage for photos and videos, and you can invite as many people as you want to contribute to the frame. Now that the kids are a little older, we've added them as contributors to the frame, and it's been really fun to see a few of their photos pop up from events they attend without us. Right now, R has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting rframes.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's Aura, A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code podcast at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Um, okay, Jamie, let's, um, you, you gave a really good origin story, and we've kind of talked in broad strokes about Michael B. Jordan. Why don't we talk about our first like, introduction to him? Like, Where did he first intersect with our lives? Okay, take it back. Imagine the year is 2010. I am wearing a graphic tee and a cardigan, for sure, okay, with maybe a bubble necklace, because we're behind. And I was watching two shows by Netflix DVD. And I was watching a show currently airing on network TV. And he was on all three at three very different ages. Because Dang. I was finally watching The Wire because I had never had HBO. And so I was catching up on the, ugh, the Wire. Guys, again, The Wire. Like forever, for life. And then Friday Night Lights. I did not watch Friday Night Lights when it came on the air. So I was catching up because so many people were like, oh, my God. you <laughs> And so I'm watching that. And then I'm watching Parenthood because I le- I actually loved Friday Night Lights. And I was like, what else is this showrunner done? Yeah. Because it was very, 2010, Jamie was into showrunners and sure. like would ride or die for them no matter where they went. And and he was only hot on Parenthood, just for the record, because he was 22 and he was on Parenthood. And that's okay. Even though he's playing a teenager, he was hot. So, and that's okay. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's okay. It's okay. The statute of limitations, et cetera, et cetera. That's this exactly right. So that was my first encounter of him and then i was he's i would argue he's been a season pass ever since yeah okay okay i think man because mine mine's the wire as well i think i i'm trying to work out a theory here like a grand unifying theory of evangelicals and pop culture and i do believe (laughs) that like jason kadams probably is something of a uh thomas kincaid of like i do art and it's not explicitly the thing you like your soul believes in, but it's adjacent to it. And that makes me an easy off ramp for you because I do think, you know, within Parenthood and within Friday Night Lights, there are definitely, even though it's not explicit, there are beats of uh, faith, of God, of Christianity, of religion, of evangelicalism that make it really easy to like uh, subsume yourself into. No, it's a hundred percent. And listen, people love, listen, you know what he does better than anybody? Twinkle Lights. Yeah. In the backyard, at the at the party by the by the water tower. Yeah. You know, where he's one gonna guy's have in a, a wheelchair. Scene. It's yeah. at night. It's family. 
explosions in the sky. It's going to yes. wreck your soul. You're going to tear up, and it's okay. That's okay. That's but okay. And we should probably clarify, Thompson Cade, uh, I think he's been canceled. He's the worst bad guy, et cetera, et cetera. Just like, you know, just it paints with light, but also yeah. is gross. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the Wire was mine because I watched, I think I caught uh, up middle of the Wire run. So I was watching it as I went or as it went. Michael B. Jordan, he, you, you mentioned it, but he, he plays Wallace, a 15-year-old corner boy drug dealer. And it's this performance where, you know, he has to vacillate between drug dealer, like drug dealer vibes. Um, but also he's a 15 year old kid and he's the one that they chose to kind of navigate the balance of, uh, I'm supposed to be this idea of a kid, you know, this hard living kind of like hard edged kid, but I also, um, and kind of goofy in certain ways Yeah, and he does it so brilliantly. And, and that, you know, 15 year oldness is ultimately his undoing as he informs the police and, uh, tries to get out of drug dealing. But, uh, Idris Elba's character, Stringer Bell makes the call to have him killed. This is not a spoiler alert because this show is like 20 years old. So I'm sorry. You know, I'm not even, that's not even, I'm sorry, not sorry. Okay. Because yeah. you should have watched it by now. It's ridiculous. But you can watch his, uh, maybe India will include in the show notes, um, his death scene. It is horrifying. It's tragic. And he is absolutely electric in that scene. And I read that he, he said he didn't know he was going to die until they, because they were keeping it such a secret. And then he said the week before we filmed, David Simon knocked on his trailer and he was like, yeah, the showrunner doesn't knock on your trailer unless you're going to die. Like it fair. was understood. That's fair. <laughs> and he That's said, fair. so I had my mom not come to set that day because I knew it would really upset her. And he said, it yeah. actually made it possible for me to really tap into the, the scene. You know, and I think um, if, 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 even if you haven't seen The Wire, uh, I think it's important to know it's not just this was a cool like one-off performance, whatever, who cares? Uh, there, there's a follow-up scene where uh, D'Angelo Barksdale, uh, one of the main characters of uh, the first two seasons, um, he's so upset by what's happened to Michael B. Jordan's character, Wallace. He's going head-to-head with Stringer Bell, and he, he keeps saying, Where's Wallace at? Where's the boy, String? D'Angelo, shut your mouth. Where's Wallace? That's all I want to know. Where the f*** is Wallace? Huh? String, look at me. Look at me! Where the f*** is Wallace? Huh? And that's an iconic moment of the series, not of the season, not of an episode. It is one of the hallmarks. Michael B. Jordan said he still gets people who yell, where's Wallace? To oh, him. yeah. He's not even in that scene. That's not even like legit. But like that's how I, And I, it's not I don't think it's commentary on uh, the show as much as Michael B. Jordan's performance was so heartbreaking that it made that uh, moment freighted with so much. Yes, for sure. Um, Jamie, what is your. I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite version of Michael B. Jordan? And what is your least favorite version? And I have very clear, like it was okay. easy. The favorite is Fruitvale Station. I, it's Ryan Coogler's directorial debut, like we mentioned. It, the film is about the last day of the life of Oscar Grant III, who was a 22-year-old from California who was fatally shot by the BART police on January 1st, 2009. And it's so well done because... Ryan Coogler, who was in graduate school when this actual event happened, he said, I just wanted there to be more understanding of that people who are murdered by the police, that there is a there's a story. There's more to their life than just maybe crime or whatever mm. the case may be. And and then I, re I was reading in prep for this that because I saw it in the theater. We started the podcast a month later when mm. this movie came out. And I remember seeing it in the theater and being just truly like overwhelmed, heartbroken. I thought Michael's performance was so outstanding. 
But also, it came out, the, the movie came out the week that George Zimmerman was found not guilty for the murder of Trayvon Martin. Woof. And it was like such a weird, it felt weird to be watching that film because it felt almost like too voyeuristic to be like watching yeah. this fictional tale of somebody else that this happened to, you know, who was, you know, wrongfully murdered. And it just was so, so tragic. But it made me so happy because even uh, Ryan Coogler has said, when I was writing this, I was only thinking of Michael Jordan mm. playing this role. And I thought that was so encouraging, like to see that your work on The Wire, your work on Friday Night Lights, your work, you know, is tell is work on parenthood is standing out to a director. It just shows the power of like you just don't know who's watching your work and who's appreciating your work in the small ways so that when it comes time for a big moment and now you get to be the muse of, like you said, one of the best filmmakers of our generation, it's really, it's really powerful. And I think that is uh, that um, that speaks to kind of what we're talking about with him, his ability to channel humanity. I think that's what made him so compelling uh, for The Wire. I think that's what made him so compelling for Friday Lights and Parenthood, because these are all TV shows fixated on spotlighting humanity, not just archetypes, not just plot machinations. It is like the humanity of these performances. And I think, his, especially, like you said, in Fruitvale, his ability to put a face and a performance and a reality to this person who is victimized, it takes it from just a headline to something real. And I think that is, man... I don't know that a lot of actors have that ability to both be like a charming leading guy and an action star, but also make you feel vulnerable with him. Yes. But he does. He has it in He spades. does. Yeah. So that's your favorite version. What's your yes. least favorite? Uh, it is for sure fantastic. The Fantastic Four. Mm. Listen, could I hate a movie more? And I mean all of them. Every time they've made it. Yeah. It's so bad. It has been horrible. It's like, you. It, it's not us. It's it's the material. Yeah. You cannot mm -hmm. make the Fantastic Four. It's bad every time. He plays Johnny Storm, Human Torch, played in the previous film by Chris Evans, the aforementioned. Right. And in theory, like you mentioned about watching Chronicle, which is a great film, and he partnered in that with Josh Trank. Mm -hmm. Talk about a guy whose career could have been something, and then it it's like, he just got, he got, this movie was so bad, like, he barely worked again. I think he's made Oh, Josh Trank? Because I yeah. feel like he was in line for a Star Wars movie, was he not? He was, and then it was, I think, I think the Colin, uh, not, is it Colin Trevorrow? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was Colin Trevorrow, the same thing. Like, just right. doing these dog crunch movies, and they're, <laughs> and, and people are like, oh, I guess you suck. I guess you got to, you got to channel off of Michael Jordan performances, you That's know? right. And listen, Michael B. Jordan's not good in a not good film there's no. nothing he's doing oh he's charismatic he's smart he's sexy which is what this role is but he can't even make this dialogue good y'all if you ever want to watch a movie that was reshot so many times that at one point kate mara you don't even know what is her hair supposed to be because there was no continuity so it changes even though the movie is chronological she looks different from the beginning in the middle and the end and you're just like who is no one makes it's red notes? it's vanilla <laughs> it's it's like a pop tart here it doesn't make very sense. weird that also, movie is so bad it's just let me just like here's all you need to know chet hanks is in this movie okay, okay. do you think chet hanks is in a good movie no chet hanks not in a good movie stop it ridiculous <laughs> yeah it, it's the it's it's michael b jordan and i think this is a you know everybody's got stuff like this right it is when you get swept up into well, you know, I'm an upcoming actor. I probably need to get, because everyone kind of says, try to get attached to a franchise, but don't get so in bed with them that it changes like 
the trajectory of your career, you know? Yes. Yes. So I understand the move, but I think at that point when he's making that decision, and I would say the same for Miles Teller, who's also in that movie with him, and honestly, Kate Mara, all of these people are such singular performers that you don't need franchises. You don't need to be in a superhero movie. I think certain kinds of actors have to be in superhero movies yes. because they are not able to carry character development or plot lines or whatever. So they need just the um, indoctrination of, oh, I think I know what Superman's about. Whereas a boss teller, Michael B. Jordan, a Kamara, they're so nuanced and clever and spectacular in how they perform. They don't need that. So they should stay away from it. I think all of them have now. So I think uh, Michael B. Jordan... Um, to get away from these big budget, big IP movies, I think that's my favorite version of him. The exception being my favorite version of him, which is when he is Killmonger in Black Panther. Oh, yeah. No, and I think it's yes. it's less about the the big IP of it all and the superhero-ness of it all. But I think it is it, it more speaks to subverted Michael B. Jordan. Okay. Like yes. you you look at Michael B. Jordan, you think you're going to get a, a certain kind of guy, a certain kind of character, leading guy, action star, et cetera, et cetera. And that's good. And that's a good movie. I, I would watch those movies all the time. But when you talk about Killmonger, like I still think about his Killmonger performance oh. and, and that character like to this day. And yeah. I, I just don't know that we ever really talked enough about how incredible he was as a villain because I know he didn't scale maybe quite like Thanos, but in terms of a compelling presence on, on, on screen – like I can't think of another person in in such a uh, not that Black Panther the movie I just I, I, I don't give a lot of credit to superhero storytelling you know yes. so I think it's it was a little storytelling wise it's a little beneath certain actors but I think the way he he definitely navigated righteous anger versus radicalism like that's a high wire act to be to be able to keep us kind of not liking him but yeah. empathizing with him and he managed to do that so incredibly well. Well, and listen, I think his portrayal of Killmonger, it actually and I know some comic book fans might say, "Well, no that existed in the comics." But I what I think happened and it's weird, I think the villains after Black Panther, the villains get so much better and yeah. nuanced and complex, like Christian Bale, like his villain is so good, even even Wanda as a villain. Yep. It's yep. great. The movies have gotten so much worse. Yes, like they have. you're you taking you're taking these great villains and you're putting them in really a phoned in script Marvel movie, yeah. right? Because like Wanda in her own show, you were like, you get it, you get why she's yeah. like this, and then you put her in that garbage. <laughs> you put her in that garbage <laughs> Doctor Strange film, and the same is true. I think you could say the same for every villain that has come out. It's like. Well, that Christian Bale and Love and, Th- Love and Thunder's fine, but it's not Love and Thunder's fine. But, but I, I think you're exactly right because I think people saw Killmonger and I'm sure the timing and casting isn't quite right here, but I think they saw, oh, you can do that. That's what I have available to me. Well, yeah. then I'm interested in that. So you get a Jonathan Majors as King the Conqueror. You get Kate Blanchett as whoever she was. Uh, Hera. In, Hera. Hera's in, in Thor 2. And I think, I think that's why I like what I like about the choice so much is I think so many big commercial stars either just want to play good guys um, like thinking of uh, looking at you, the rock, or they want to be bad guys who are so disembodied from like our regular life experiences that there's no residue of reality. And honestly, you know, you could probably make the case that Killmonger, you know, uh, that whole story and Wakanda is not super like realistic. And I, I understand that, but I think it's the difference between, you know, like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as Kelvin or uh, Calvin 
Candide, I guess, in Django, yes. or Michael Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave. Those are such good performances. And I know, I'm not trying to be the white guy giving white actors their flowers for being super racist. <laughs> I, that's not what I'm doing here. But I'm saying big name actors playing roles that are big, unlikable, that's a choice. And that's not easy. And I think we we want people to do it more than they're comfortable with it. But I think Killmonger, uh, it's not on that level because it's a superhero movie, but I think it's his rage is, is righteous. And there's some real world parallels to yes. it. So it makes sense. And I think that's where you brought up Christian Bale. Was it Gore, the God Butcher, I yes. guess? And I think they're very similar characters to me, right? Because we empathize with them. They, they both are provoking our empathy. But I think even Gore, the God Butcher, like this is a guy who kills God. Like, I don't understand that. So Christian Bale, that's an easier sell to me than Michael B. Jordan, who's like, I want to play a radicalist. And you're kind of going to want to empathize with me, mm-hmm. but you're also not going to want to. And there's going to be some people who are weird about how much bumps I have in my body. And they're going to say it's a sickness and like they can't watch it and stuff like that. So it's, it's all complicated in a different direction. But I, I'm very impressed with his ability to navigate that and to choose that role where other people just simply wouldn't do it. You know? Yeah. Uh, good call. Jamie, let's talk about some broad superlatives here. Whose lunch money do you think Michael B. Jordan stole? Okay. This is my favorite thing we do because I really like the the sliding door of Hollywood and like how can it look different? But I'm, I, can I make a case? that I think Michael B. Jordan's lunch money was stolen from him. Oh, interesting. Okay. But he still eats. Don't worry. Okay. He still eats. But I'm thinking about four sets of actors. There are two actors that are his exact same age, and he starred in a film with them, Miles Teller and Zac Efron. Okay. I think Miles Teller stole Zac Efron's lunch money. Mm. Okay. But when I look at Miles Teller's IMDb, there are only a couple of things. But could I see a Michael B. Jordan in Whiplash? Yes, I could. Like, like I could. Oh, I could wow. see that. Right? Yeah. So that's the first set. Then the second, I took a couple of actors, one that's a year older, one that's a year younger, Sam Claflin and Glenn Powell. I actually think Sam Claflin stole Glenn Powell's lunch money. I hate that you're saying that with your mouth because I don't listen, like that even being a Sam Claflin and Finnick, he's going to be in Daisy Jones and the Six. Sam Claflin, listen, I freaking love him. He is hot, 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 hot. Now, who I think actually stole Michael B. Jordan's lunch money? Like, really? Robert Pattinson. Because mm. Michael B. Jordan should be Batman, the Batman. Now, God, I like sure. Robert Pattinson as the Batman a lot. I love that movie. But you put you put Michael B. Jordan in that? Like, with Matt Reeves? I feel like we could have done something, like, like you talked about with Killmonger. You could have done something even yeah. more nuanced. And listen, we, we've just had so many white Batman. Like, do we, can we not with any, nobody? Like, listen, would I like to see him be Michael Bay Jordan be with the Broccoli's get on board with a James Bond? That's sure. Michael Bay Jordan. I would love it. Like they would never, but I would love they it would as well. Never because yeah. a family named Broccoli, they're not interested <laughs> in the not whites. And so I might could make a case for Daniel Kaluuya, but I'll be honest with you. Like you said about Judas and the Black Messiah. I also don't see Michael B. Jordan in Nope or Get Out. Like no, I, don't I don't see either. him being able to pull that off. Daniel Kaluuya yeah. just has this like... I don't know, this groundedness that I feel like I have not gotten to see enough of from Michael B. Jordan to make that swap. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're exactly right because I think – I tried to think about Michael B. Jordan being in Judas and the Black Messiah, replacing Daniel Kaluuya, not Lakey Sanfield because I think right. Lakey Sanfield is perfect. There is a texture with Daniel Kaluuya's performances where it's not – you're not sure if he wants to be there. And it, I think that's <laughs> purposeful because his no performance is um, – it's intentionally aloof 
for, yeah. for a reason in the movie, right? Like the character is that way in the movie. And that is a thing I don't think Michael B. Jordan can pull off because I think when you get to a certain kind of, um, uh, no shade to Daniel Kaluuya, but when you're a certain attractiveness level, you just can't pull that off in the same way that Daniel Kaluuya can. So I think he is stuck in that, well, I can't quite take those roles anymore. Right. I really like, honestly, I'm going to be like, talking to my better help therapist about the Glenn Powell, Sam Claflin thing, because I realized when you said that, I realized I didn't even know who Glenn Powell was during the hunger games, but that's who I saw as Finnick O'Dare. You know what I mean? Oh yes, it was. So yes, when it was. it was, when it was Sam Claflin, I was like, I just effing hate this man. Cause this is not who I thought it was. And I didn't even like the Finnick O'Dare storyline. And I feel like Sam Claflin's always showing up in places where I'm like, I wanted someone else here. So I just, that's the thing I'm going to have to work with. So I appreciate your, right. your, your thoughts and prayers as I deal with that. <laughs> but I had, you know, uh, in terms of lunch money, I feel like the, I feel like there's a case to be made and maybe this isn't the podcast episode to do it, but I think there's been a, a, uh, maybe a class of black actors who have risen because all of the white dudes went to Marvel and even like the mediocre white dudes went to Marvel yeah. and got stuff and got roles. So it created this opportunity of all these really talented, because I think of with Jonathan Majors, with Daniel Kaluuya, Lakey Stanfield, with, with um, Chadwick Boseman, with Michael B. Jordan, would they be able to get, uh, not saying it's right, but would they have all the opportunity if there wasn't a vacuum created because all these other people were, were otherwise occupied and committed to some of these Marvel movies? I don't know. But I do think he is just like when I when I think of what he's doing on Tom, uh, the Tom Clancy uh, franchises and some of the action stuff, I think Chris Evans comes to mind. I know I've yes. mentioned him already, but I think they're very similar actors in terms of very hot, very in shape, very charismatic. And I feel like outside of um, uh, Knives Out uh, or uh, the the Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans movie, I can't remember right now. Great man. I have, thank you. Great man. I haven't seen Chris Evans take very interesting roles. You know, well, because that would be my counter would be I think Michael B. Jordan could do what Chris Evans does. I don't think Chris Evans could do what Michael B. Jordan is in. Now, some of it he wouldn't be able to do because you're you're not you can't play Oscar Grant. Sure. In yeah. Station. Yeah. Right. But like, I also think you, you can't. There's some white nationalists listening be like, oh, bet. I think he could. Jamie, actually. I know, reverse racism. I get it. I get it. Um, But I don't like I, I just think about. Chris Evans, you know, and I love, listen, I'm a fan. May you get married to a tiny young yeah. baby woman and mm -hmm. live happily ever after and have lots of kids. I just don't think Chris Evans is a good actor. I think he's a hot actor who stumbles across good scripts sometimes. And then that's it. Like, I don't know that Chris Evans is a, I definitely don't think he's even in the top three of best Chris actors. That's the thing. It's like, I don't know. Is he? Because has he ever been given the opportunity? He might just be so attractive that it's not been granted to him. Whereas a guy like Michael B. Jordan, because he starts when he's young, we see his chops when he's young. When like you're not cast because of hotness, you know? But man, back to your um, Batman thing. That's really interesting to me because I think there was maybe two years ago, there was a lot of, if you looked at betting sites about who's going to be the new Superman, Michael B. Jordan was the betting favorite for a long time. And he wanted he to be, be Superman, didn't he? he? And he's even, he's got a um, uh, black Superman development thing going oh, uh, in right. his IMDb right now, because I think uh, DC's moved away from that possibility. But I just, I keep thinking about a world where instead of watching Robert Pattinson try to keep up with Zoe Kravitz, now it's Michael B. Jordan, Zoe Kravitz. Oh, and like, oh my gosh, what? the screen would turn She'd forget flames. Channing Tatum then, <laughs> wouldn't she? Yes, she would. ridiculous, man. 
Um, what is Michael B. Jordan's biggest sell in your opinion? You know, immediately I wrote down without looking. I was like, oh, it's Fantastic Four. But mm. I, here's the thing. I'm going to make an argument that it is not. And okay. here's why. Contextually, 2015, it is the year that Fantastic Four comes out. He also, in that same year, films and releases Creed. Yeah. Creed ends up a huge success. He's very good in it. Sylvester Stallone gets an Academy Award nomination. Yep. But I was looking at what were the other movies that came out in 2015? Because in theory, that would be like, what would he have done if not Fantastic Four? What could it have been? And listen, it's Star Wars. He's not old enough. To, he's too old to be John Boyega's character. And yeah. I, Oscar Isaac is perfectly cast, so we're not going to yeah. change that. Okay. Uh, Jurassic World. Still too young to be Chris Pratt. Avengers, that was already cast long ago. Spectre, which is the James Bond. Mission Impossible, again. He might have, maybe could have done the Jeremy Renner part in that. But he's not going to, you know, that's not a place for him. And then The Martian. And listen, I convinced myself. He could be a he could be a botanist. He could be a botanist. I, could I believe make, that. I could believe if Matt that. Matt Damon can. Michael B. Jordan can. <laughs> exactly. Are you kidding me right now? But then even if you look at the big movies that came out that year, Mad Max, Spotlight, Spy, The Big Short. The only thing that I could put him in was The Big Short, and I like I was like, well, he could be Ryan Gosling's character. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, like that year, Trainwreck, Pitch Perfect, too. There's not really the Hateful Eight. Like, there's mm. not. A ton of the the revenant, the lobster, you know, inside out room, all these things. There's just not really a place where he would have dropped in pretty easily. Nor do I think that it, and I almost think that the benefit of Fantastic Four being so bad, it was like, oh, then I'm I will only go to Marvel with Ryan Coogler holding my hand. Yeah, have some assurances here. I actually think trying to be his biggest L is trying to be, and we may disagree on this. I think trying to be a movie star who carries a film on charisma is a mistake. And I would point to Fahrenheit 451, Fantastic Four. I might point to Without Remorse. You loved it and watched it twice on a plane. But I think where he could really shine is if he backed out of that a little bit and went, let me try a different path for it. So I think his biggest L is I think Hollywood is trying to make him a a tent pole actor. And I don't know that he is that the best move for him. I don't know. Yeah, man, I'm just I'm sitting here as you're talking. I'm trying to make the case for Michael B. Jordan and the Danish girl. And I think I can make that, but maybe <laughs> yes. maybe that's not what we're doing here. But I I think you're right. Like as much as without remorse, is it a good movie? Well, I don't know about that. I'm not here to answer that question. <laughs> Did it do what I needed it to do? Sometimes I just want to watch cool guys like beat the the A words of bad guys. Yeah. And that's yeah. what he did. You he know, did do that. He did. He, yes. he definitely did that. Uh, but I, I I think you're right. And I think maybe, maybe it, I, I don't know how strategic it was to be like, I'm going to cast my loss with two franchises here. I'm going to go Fantastic Four. And I'm going to go with Creed. And one is uh, proven IP that uh and superhero and that seems to be where the world is trending but maybe less um proven uh executive aspects of it and the other side here is ryan coogler and the ip is uh this character from the rocky franchise maybe it goes maybe it doesn't and i think one he got he hit the lottery with one of those tickets it's just not the one probably we all thought it was so i think um and, and i think that's one where he has more control of the story and it's more centered on him yes. versus these three other people that they have to uh, ground, characterize, and give oxygen to. Whereas with Creed, man, I rewatched Creed two this weekend in prep for this. Yes, and it is just—it's like, yeah, of course this works because it's Tessa Thompson, it's Felicia Rashad, and it's Michael B. Jordan, and Drago's back, and Stallone. St it's just like, yeah, 
This makes so much sense. So my, you could just make a movie where it's Adonis Creed and Tessa Thompson on the way to a boxing match, and that's the movie. I'd watch that movie. Like, it's that good. They go, they go to Trader Joe's and get snacks? Great. I, Give them an Oscar. Like I, I want to see how they handle the JoJo's dilemma. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good call though. I think it's a good call. And I think that is the, uh, probably not a mistake he'd ever make again because he's not in that place of like, I don't have the clarity on what I should do, uh, with, uh, with my, uh, career or whatever, yeah. you know, um, in terms of biggest W man, I think we talked a lot about Killmonger and I think that's probably it to be able to one off, to be able to interact with that superhero, industrial complex yes. and be like, I'm in and then I'm gone. And maybe you see me in a flashback or a flash forward down the road in like a weird situation, but I'm not committed to it long-term. And I think he took what, and, and maybe this was a calculated decision with him and Ryan Coogler of do what you did in Fruitvale station, but not as many people watch that. And not as many people want to watch that movie. You know, unfortunately it's a good movie. It's a, it's a great movie. It's a great story. And it's something we all need to know about, but a lot of people don't want to opt into that. Yes. Let's put him in the Black Panther, which is more easy breezy, and you'll get to do the same things, but on a, a way, way uh, bigger scale. Um, so I think that's probably it. I think the Killmonger thing, and uh, people are probably just going to mistake me as a Killmonger stand, but man, I just, I, I, I'm telling you, I just, you don't go to a superhero movie. Like I, I saw Ant Man this weekend, you know, we talked about it in the right, more you we know. We talked about it in the more you know. <sighs> I didn't get Killmonger and Ant-Man. This is what I'm telling you, okay? No, you and Jonathan Majors, I love Jonathan Majors, but it's just, you don't go to the movies. A, a lot of times when you go to the movies, you expect a, a certain range of expectations and output. And watching Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger and Black Panther is not anything I ever expected to see in my life. Well, and I think it goes back to you, and we've probably talked about this before, but I think Marvel said, hey, we are not good with uh, adversity here. And so we're going to let you, Ryan Cooler, we're just going to sign a check. Yeah. And you make a film, and we're actually going to build the rest of the phase around whatever you make happen here. Yeah. And so Ryan Coogler got to make a film that didn't have to, like, prep us for Loki 2. You know, mm -hmm. like, it didn't have to do anything else. Now, it did other things. But actually, you can watch Black Panther in a va vacuum, and yeah. you don't ever have to watch any other Marvel film. And I think that's you would right. be like, "That's a fantastic film." Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know who all these other. Well, I don't know why Martin Freeman is here. Why is why is uh, Bilbo here? I don't know. <laughs> but you can enjoy it. And I think nobody, no other filmmaker at Marvel, no one's getting that check anymore. No, and, and I think credit to Marvel to uh, to take that risk because Ryan Coogler, I mean. You know, um, when you're getting in bed with like Colin, uh, well, this is more Star Wars with Colin Trevorrow. You want, I mean, they got in bed with crap. Who did uh, Nomadland? I cannot remember. Chloe her name. Zhao. Chloe Zhao. The Eternals didn't work out. You know, no, it, did it not. wasn't great. But yeah. but Ryan Coogler did. So credit to Marvel, but also uh, credit to Ryan Coogler for making an incredible movie. You know, yeah, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Pear Eyewear. I just love a reason to celebrate a niche pop culture themed holiday, don't you? Whether it's April 25th, known as the perfect date, when all you need is a light jacket. If you know, you know, or better yet, May the 4th. I'll gladly go all in. I was trying to think of a fun way to decorate R2 Dust2 in honor of this most holy day of the year. And then I found out that Pear Eyewear just launched a Star Wars theme collection. Now I think I might have to celebrate by getting some new top frames for me instead, because the force is just that strong in their newly launched Star Wars collection. You guys, I'm not even joking. These frames are so adorable. And when I saw that they had a Grogu gradient, 
I could not contain my excitement. They have 21 unique designs that are all perfectly niche in the most delightful way. Their interpretations of familiar Star Wars icons are like fun Easter eggs that you can easily snap onto your favorite glasses whenever you're in the mood for a change. I love that their frames are so affordable at just $25 and that changing them is so easy. Hearing that little snap when you change out your frames, so satisfying. From legendary battles to formidable icons, these epic designs are for true fans. And whether you side with the Rebels, the Dark Side, or the Mandalorian, Pair Eyewear has got you covered. One pair, infinite possibilities. Go to PairEyewear.com and use code POP for 15% off your first pair. And support the show by mentioning that the podcast sent you in your post-checkout survey. That's P-A-I-R-Eyewear.com, code POP. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Let's talk about some what ifs, Jamie. Okay, so let's talk about what is, and then we'll mm. get to what ifs. So what are the four things that he is working on now? I'm very interested in this lineup. So of course, first is Rainbow Six, which is a Tom Clancy novel. He is going to be playing that role again. Okay, so that's first. Second, he's going to be in the next Ryan Coogler film, which is called Wrong Answer. It's based on a New Yorker article, which I very into movies based on New Yorker art. Big fan. Like, Big fan. love them. This is also the screenplay is being, uh, or has been written by uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. So, that's also, I'm like, mm, okay, let's go, let's go. And it's about a math teacher in Atlanta who is scandalized when he looks to get funding for his school by altering the students' test scores. Listen, I just, I, I love the idea. I love the story. I, I will watch this. I do need to see Michael B. Jordan yes. losing a lot of muscle mass. Yeah. Because uh, the idea that, again, he's in that phase of like, this person doesn't exist in reality. He would not be teaching. The what's the hottest subject? Who's the hottest teacher? By based solely on subject. It's not math. I'll tell you it's not math. I'm just telling you, if he's teaching English, like it's gonna be the the roof is gonna blow off that school. That's preposterous. And the right answer is uh, a foreign language. Whoever's teaching mm. your foreign language, they're always a little bit hotter sure. than other people. As long it's as they actually stay. can as long as yeah. they can actually speak that language. That is mm. a clarifying because once our friend Sophie Edson had to teach Spanish, and I don't think she speaks Spanish at all, actually. So Okay, okay. Private schools, guys, doing great. Okay, and then two other projects. Now, one I'm really excited about because, and I know you're not going to be, but it's because it's one of my favorite, like, just, almost all like you say, I just want Michael B. Jordan to beat up bad guys. Well, you yeah. know what? I just want art thieves to be hot and sexy. Yeah. Thomas Crown Affair. Listen, Pierce Brosnan and Thomas Crown Affair Renee Russo, right? Renee. Uh, sure. Right? I don't know, but probably. Is that who was in the Thomas I just remember Affair? Renee Russo was like, yeah, there was Russo, a yeah. big conversation about, is she Christian? And we're like, Christ, did Christian get to claim her for no. a minute? 
And I think she did nude scenes, so people are like, ugh, this is uh, tough. Can't do that. Well, Thomas Crown Affair, so he's doing a remake. He's going to be Thomas Crown, so I'm interested in that. How and dare then, you speculate that maybe I wouldn't be into that? Are you I talking about why. heist, hot people? Oh, that's true. It's a heist. That's right. That's right. And then Methuselah, which is an action-adventure story centered on a thousand-year-old man who has used his time on the planet to develop an unparalleled set of survival skills. I'm into it. And then... I'm sorry, directed by Danny Boyle? Yes, please. I'm I all put that in. into my jugular vein. Oh please. my gosh. And for those who don't know, Danny Boyle is like train spotting, uh, 28 Days Later, Slumdog Millionaire, 127 yeah. Hours, Steve Jobs. Yesterday, like movies that you go, as far as directors go, he does pretty good. You know, yeah, he's not always in the sandbox, but when he is, it's legit. And 28 Days Later, that was one of the only movies that oh. I got so uncomfortable and I, freaked out by. I left. I walked out of the theater. No, you did not. I, did, I was like, I'm not in a place to handle all of this carnage. I have to go. <laughs> it is a it lot of carnage. Much. It is a lot of carnage. But here's what I would say. Here, I think, what ifs, I would like to see Michael Bay Jordan settle into a Ross, Ryan Gosling era. Boom. That's exactly right. Okay. Don't be afraid to be weird, right? Don't be afraid to be funny. Don't be afraid to not be the lead. Don't be afraid to share the spotlight. I think of like The Nice Guys, First Man, a movie mm-hmm. that he carries on his entire back, yeah. but it's a quiet performance. Blade Runner, which I feel like we got that from Michael Bay. We got yeah. him doing the kind of, but Nice Guys, uh, La La Land, The Big Short, Barbie. Do you know what I mean? Like I would like to see him kind of take, follow that path because listen, you can either be Dwayne The Rock Johnson or you can be Eddie Redmayne, the aforementioned Danish girl. And yeah. I actually think being Eddie Redmayne or being even I would take a big reach and say a Christian Bale who has mm-hmm. done big IP work, but also is like, I just want to work in this country for like, so I'll find somebody who has a script for that country. That's where I yeah. want to live for three months or whatever. I think that is, I would pitch instead of trying to be a movie star, be a prestige actor because you can't always be both. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, I think you're right. Because when when I was thinking about who I would want him to reflect a little bit more, I think it was reading what was coming up with the uh, the Atlanta public school cheating scandal that he's taken on. I thought about Ryan Gosling and Half Nelson, and I thought, man, this would be perfect. The only drawbacks, or not drawbacks, the only bumps on that uh, is number one. I I, I do. I've I've said this a few times, so people are going to think I'm fixated on it. I think he's too muscly. I think he's just too he's too big and too hot. And you can't play the 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 beauty of Ryan Gosling is, I think he's he's very attractive, he's very charming, but he can disappear and theoretically be your kind of weird friend who's into a like a blow up doll, yeah. you know, and Lawrence and the real girl. Or I don't think she's a blow up doll. I don't want to put disrespect on her name, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like if if I invited you to my house, Jamie, and yeah. I was like, here's my friend Vince, and it's Michael B. Jordan, you'd be like, what? Hold on, stop everything. How is this a thing? How are you friends with this divine human being? You know? Right, right. Well, you know, it goes to maybe my favorite Chris, and as always, I've ebbed and flowed, but my favorite mm. Chris forever will always be Chris Pine. And right. Chris Pine attached to Big IP, Star yes. Trek, right? And But then he also was like, look, I'm going to sing. I'm the prince in uh, the woods, into the woods. Yep. Like, uh-huh. I'm also going to be in Hell or High Water. I'm now going to be the bard in Dungeons and Dragons, an, an established IP but like a weird, I've seen, I've, the clips are now coming out because it comes out next month. And it is the most fun to watch him be Chris Piney in that. It's something. It's something in that. Stop I'll it. Don't be, don't be like that. Listen, you know how I'm going to get you on board with Dungeons and Dragons? RJP? Because, because of the double V. Did you know that what? Joe Manchiello had a custom Dungeons and Dragons table made for his house? And he's like, 
Vince Vaughn comes every week. Every Sunday night, we play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, come on, Jamie. Tell me something I don't know. The, the opportunity for Vince Vaughn, just to, like the BS about Dungeons and Dragons, it's not about Dungeons and Dragons. It's just him like getting to talk and get to do stuff. That's fair. That that's completely fair. makes that's sense. Fair. I kind of like the Chris Pine reference now. I kind of think that's maybe the Well, because it goes to path. your Ryan Gosling. You know, Chris Pine was, he had a shirtless scene in Wonder Woman, and he, mm-hmm. looked, he looked good. He sure. wasn't like fighting in a ring. But yeah. he looked good. But then he also was like, now I'm hell or high water. Look at my skinny arms. Like I lost yeah. it. And or during the pandemic, look at me. I'm at an indie bookstore buying books and look <laughs> how skinny I am. And I, I'm wearing loafers. It's fine. That's where I think Michael, Michael Bay cannot. I just don't want him to become the rock. Like it to me. Okay. Let me, let, me, the let, worst me, path. let me say this though. The not protecting the vibe aspect is, are there those roles for him? to be able to be like a Ryan Gosling uh, indie movie character or Chris Pine indie movie character. I don't know that that's available to a Michael B. Jordan. You know, I don't know. That's not a, that's not a criticism of Michael Bay Jordan. Of course. Absolutely not. Could it be that it means that maybe he doesn't only get to be in big openings. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's, I'm going to do a TV show. I'm going to do something on Apple. I'm going to do something on HBO max. I'm going to do something that's a limited series, like a one-off. I'm not going to get trapped for five years on the show. But also I think because like I I think he could do something like that and it would be interesting. But you're exactly right. He does not have the choices in front of him that Ryan Gosling or Chris Pine have. Yeah. So I think unfortunately, if I had to guess, you know, if if we're talking predictions, I think, you know, obviously, um, I think because of Creed three, he's gonna get more into directing. I cannot wait to see Creed 3 this weekend. Oh, yeah. I hope it's available in my area uh, because I want to see how it's directed, but also like Jonathan Majors, man. I don't want to turn this into Jonathan Majors conversation because I, I think Jonathan Majors is so singularly talented. And I think Kang the Conqueror or Kong the Canker is scratching like <laughs> 5% of that, yes. not because of anything he's doing, but it's just like, here's a multiversal being where we still aren't quite sure what his motivation is and he's making it work just because he's Jonathan Majors, but to see Jonathan Majors in like a Clubber Lang role in Creed 3, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am for this, but I think, I think you're going to see exec producing. I think you're going to see directing. I'm going to say Oscar within five years, Oscar nomination within five years for Michael B. Jordan. Oh my gosh. I would love that. Like I would genuinely love that. That would be amazing. Cause listen, Jonathan Majors in interviews, he is everything you're looking for in a superstar like he's charismatic he's hot he's smart he's funny he's got all the features that's what really makes me sad is like a chris hemsworth who i have loved for a long time he's not a good actor nobody thinks he's a good actor he is maxed out in thor you know it's it's maxing out everything he can do that's right and do we love it when he like loves on his wife on red car yes of course but like that's that's not interesting to me. And so it's unfortunate that a lot of these, like a Glenn Powell mm-hmm. or a Miles Hill, they're getting roles that it's like Michael B. Jordan doesn't want to be, you know, he doesn't want to be the fourth pilot. And he's like, I can't, I can't do that. No, that's I'm not, that's no good. You kidding yeah, me? You right? Like four lines? That's ridiculous. right. But like Jonathan Majors, I, you know, I, I saw that is, he's, isn't he going to be Dennis Rodman in a, like a Vegas? Oh, you dang right he is. That's right. And right. so that... And I did see that Michael B. Jordan, when I was prepping for this, he did say, I just don't want to play historical character. I don't mm. want to play historically black people. Sure. I'm trying to avoid that. And guess what? That means you're not going to do as much work because, man, 
Hollywood loves making a historical black film. Like, yeah, they they're like, man, we just don't like making it. black people movies. But if we're gonna, we need to make sure our audience knows them because they're weird. It's 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 a, it's a tragedy, or it has to be, be Kevin Costner and women who could do math. That's uh, it. Yeah, it's tough. But I do think you said you don't want him to be The Rock. I do not um, know. What if I told you, Jamie? What if I offered you he could be like a better version of The Rock? What if he could do like The Rock could play complicated characters? Because famously, The Rock won't play complicated characters. He always has to be the good guy and always has to be a happy ending. And his rationale is, um, and I think we talked about this in our in our Rock Explained episode. He's like, there's enough sucky stuff in the world. Yeah. When people come to my movies, I just want them to feel good. I, I have, get that. I also think he's going to run for president in you really the next think 20 so? years. Oh, yeah. And I think he's like building a... You love me. I'm the Tom Hanks of people like me. You oh, love me. Just like Tom Hanks with muscles. Isn't that interesting? Am like, I, you want speaking? a hotter Tom Hanks and there's no Chet involved? You don't want Chet in the White House. You want me in the White House. <laughs> like, I think I'm interested. I'm just I'm I, like I'm just taking that in. I'm like, yeah. I, I wouldn't not vote for him, you know, based on that. Yeah. But I think I think he's gonna say, like, what if I could uh combine The Rock and and Shades of Denzel? And I think Denzel's his North Star. I think Denzel Washington is his North Star. I think that's why he took the Journal for Jordan, I think it was called, it, yes, it, yes, last yes. year. It didn't do well. And I think for, for Michael B. Jordan, I, th- I don't think it was like, this is going to win me an Oscar. I think it was like, this is directed by Denzel Washington. This is, I don't know, two and a half months, three months where I could spend time with him, be mentored by him, pick right. his brain a little bit. So I think there's going to be dramatic swings, but I think it's going to be reliable action, box office stuff. Um, pretty easily accessible. And he brings the flourish of, or the flourish of, I'm not just like the rock with no range. I'm actually Michael B. Jordan. So I can give this some range when it needs it. I think that's going to be his trajectory for the next 15 or 20 years. Cause I do think he suffers a little bit from Selena Gomez face, you know, from like a pageant queen face of oh, he, yeah. he, he's 36, but he looks like he's 28. I no, Selena I Gomez is 51 years old. Does she look like that? No, she does She not. looks 22. I thought she was 22. It's preposterous. She got that right little now. pug nose. It's so cute. Keeps yeah, so he's going to have to like get an edge or wait until he, because uh, young Denzel was still old looking Denzel. You know what I mean? You can't do men on fire when you're 36 and look like a cover model. It's just not going <laughs> to work. Right. That's you know? right. That's right. Um, okay. Anything else on, on Michael B. Jordan for you? Jamie? No, we wish you the best season pass for life. Love you. Mean it. Please don't Love do anything him. horrible. Okay. Do thanks. all the Tom Clancy stuff. I will never not watch you <laughs> doing Tom Clancy. Oh, stuff. I'll watch them. Hand for sure. God. Cause when I see Man. that forearm, I'm like, I gotta take a minute. I'll be back. And without remorse, the movie starts, it's not a spoiler. Cause it's like 30 on Rotten Tomatoes, but, um, <laughs> it, it's like close in on a puddle, like literally a puddle. And then like, there's bad guys and Michael Jordan comes out of the puddle and I'm not saying he's in a lake or a fountain. He's in just like a puddle. And I don't understand how he gets in the puddle, but he comes out of it and he just kills everybody. I'm like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. Thank you for making this Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> well, that's our conversation on Michael B. Jordan. If you have thoughts and opinions on our thoughts and opinions, please let us know. Actually, my comments slash 493. All right, Jamie, you want to do some lights? <gasps> Let's do some lights. All right. What is your red light this week? It is time for rapid red light. Here we go. First of all, red light to him for rolling his eyes at me. Very frustrating. Snag their cherries. Where? Where many of you lost your virginity. Church. That's oh, what did it. That's what so did much it. I don't like about that statement. Rapid red light. And you know what we don't need? Another 72-year-old dad at a high school graduation. Fox, we don't have time to explain this to you. And you don't really want to know. Rapid red light. Rapid red light. Red light to me, because every time a celebrity I love dies, I think of two celebrities I wish had died instead. 
He's got all the downs we need. Red light to him for rolling his eyes at me. Okay, number one, famous pastors calling Beyonce a witch and then a Food Network star leaving a comment that the same is true for yoga. In the name of Jesus. No, thank you. No, thank you. Number two, speaking of Jesus, uh, red light to Jesus for not letting Jimmy Carter live until 100. Man. Has anybody ever been in hospice for 18 months? I don't Come on, so. Jesus. What you Okay, doing? number three, Bad Bunny and Kendall Jenner dating. Mm. No. She's going to ruin him. How dare you? Gross. I hate it. Fourth, Don Lemon, who said that mm. presidential candidate Nikki Haley, quote, isn't in her prime, and that a woman is in her prime in her, quote, 20s, 30s, and 40s. First of all, Don <sighs> Lemon, you're 56. You need to do some math. You need to look at your driver's license. Also, second, your apology, where it, you literally said, you know, the reference I made to a woman's prime this morning was inartful and irrelevant, as colleagues and loved ones have pointed out. You should have known that without Caitlin Collins going, what's your problem? Don? What are you doing, bro? What's going your on? Your name is Dawn. Like, your name is literally Dawn Lemon. That's the most made-up name on the planet. It took other people telling you that that was wrong gross number five i I just want to say uh there's like don lemon there were so many things about nikki haley you could have said that everyone would have been like yep that makes sense you picked the one thing that no one agreed you made us be on nikki haley's team number five tiktok dad who showed parents how to make your kids taller so they can ride rides and then was shocked when folks came for him and then was like "Uh uh-uh my kids my kid is this tall no he's not you're an idiot you're an idiot and finally dave bautista Guess what? Dave, I've gone to bat for you multiple times on this program, and it ends now because he says he does not want Drax to be his legacy as an actor because it's a silly performance. Well, whose fault is that? You're the performer. who's, Who's for that? And then had the gall, had the audacity. Listen, white men and their audacity that he wants to be the lead in a rom com. First of all, we don't even make rom coms anymore. You, you want to be in a Reese Witherspoon, Ashton Kutcher, Dookie pile? You want to do okay. that? Listen, embrace debate. If you watch that and he's like, I could do that. I could be in that movie. I understand I, that reaction. I, you know what? I watched it and thought I could have been Reese Witherspoon's <laughs> role and brought more nuance to that. That was a beach house for both of them. Listen, nobody wants Dave Bautista as the... Listen, if we're not going to get mediocre women in a yeah. rom-com, well, we're definitely not getting mediocre men. Well, what if it was like bros too? And uh, uh, Billy on the Street was into Dave Bautista. I don't know how bros. I didn't There's see There's no way that Billy Eichner is into Dave Bautista. Well, not with that attitude, but maybe like in a movie, <laughs> you know, who knows? Then I would be into that. That'd be no, interesting. Okay. So those are my red lights. What are your, what's your red light? Jamie, my red light uh, is uh, Revivals uh, this week. <laughs> and- <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> so recently there have been revivals going on. There's been a revival in Kentucky at Asbury University. Uh, and it's actually spread to my alma mater, uh, unfortunately. It's and, and the one in Kentucky has been going on for two weeks as of this recording. And I'm not I'm not like red lighting revivals per se. Um, it's the conversation around them because the local paper here, I, I like this is my favorite part. The local paper here asked my alma mater's president, and they're like, "Hey, we we can see like there's been a few days now of of local revival stuff. Um, are you going to probably cancel classes and and everything?" And the guy was like. No, it literally was like no chance. God wants these kids in class, and I <laughs> that was that's my favorite quote. That's and perfect. I think you know, I, I would say classically, am I the target audience for revival? No, I'm not. 
That's not me. It's not your boy. I, it's God, not what I I'm wish into. it was. I wish it was. I'm I wish. Like, what a you. weird, like, wrinkle of, like, actually, I'm obsessed with revivals. <laughs> I go to one, like, every single weekend. Uh, but I'm not redlining that, but just because, like, you know, maybe they're not my thing. I think I would just say, for me, revivals feel inefficient, you know? Right. And I think God has always felt like an efficient entity, you know? Sure. Because allegedly made the universe in six days. That's, pr- that's pretty tight. That's pretty tight production timeline. Yeah. Uh, Jesus defeated sin in three days. That's also pretty tight. So if you're gonna have a two week revival, I would just say I'm gonna need something. I, I need something on par with like the universe or defeating sin. And if you don't have that, maybe you should be doing a revival. But I'm actually what I'm redlining is I'm redlining myself oh, because okay. I, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't think of this strategy when I was at a Christian university because it's the ultimate checkmate when you think about oh, it, right? It's perfect. If it's Christian university, the priority is always. And they tell you this: the priority is like God over everything, God over English and math. And Greek clubs or whatever, it's God first. So what happens if students have revival during midterms or final exams? You know, like what if I had had a revival during my oh. European lit class that I had to retake? It would have been a game changer. You know, my whole life would have been different. So it's just a brilliant tactic. It's a Jesus checkmate. And I'm just mad at myself that I didn't think about it. So red light to me for not thinking about it. And this. listen, if you want to hear more about people at the PNG talk about the Asbury Revival, Aaron and I did a mini FOF that comes out on Thursday where we talk about it at length. And I and, and what I would say that I didn't say there that I will say in response to your red light is I yeah. would just say, guys, if you're posting a picture of a college having a revival and you post the picture in stories with the line, what heaven will look like, just check that photo real quick and see if there's anybody not white in it. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks and so honestly, much. that's always not the, that's not the best promotional materials. Honestly, like if I'm seeing that, I'm like, Ugh. are you like not into Pass. heaven? You're like, that's, that's, what the, that's what heaven is. Wooden, wooden benches and like no, no snacks. That's what I'm looking forward to. Guys, heaven know. has snacks. I cannot believe you even suggest that heaven doesn't have snacks. It's like, arguably all snacks. You know, I don't, I just don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. I have like the take a verse of revivals. I have like the, like, here's a revival. Okay. Here's okay. why we shouldn't have revivals. Here's all, like, I just like the exchange. I've liked being able to see. And, oh, yeah. Like, because you would actually, I think I would surprise people. I'm actually pretty pro revival. Yeah. Like, spoiler, I'm pretty oh, that, pro revival. Jamie, that's, that's a spoiler. That's surprising. <laughs> Spontaneous. Listen, I come I come hard for the progressives of that episode because I was like, listen, Jonah. Listen, and I'll tell you, some people don't want revival because if they got revival, then what are they going to be mad about? Nothing. Mm. Mm. Nobody wants the church. Some people don't want the church fixed, y'all. Some yeah. people don't want the church fixed because then they have nothing to story about. I'm just saying. It's tough. It's tough. You don't always have to have an opinion on something, uh, guys. You could just like let something experienced be experienced and like not be against it. That's right. Like that's right. So uh, it's fine. Uh, What's your green light this week, Jamie? Okay, my green light this week. Listen, I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm coming. And maybe only the B Fots would know this. Shrinking on Apple TV is my green Mm. light. Okay, I watched an episode. I was like, no, meh. It's fine. And I left it. But I, then, that's where I landed. That's, where that's I, and, right. And you had told me, you watched this, so I was like, okay, I landed in the same place. That's right. And then Twitter just would not shut up about shrinking. And I was like, does it get better? Because here's the problem. Apple sold this to us as a Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, buddy comedy or yeah. something. Like, that's how the press was. Well, that's not what it is at all. Second, third, fourth, and fifth episodes, outstanding. Because it takes the focus off of, one, Harrison Ford's barely in it, although what he does later is actually more interesting and has more interesting storytelling. And then Jason Siegel becomes so great. Like, 
How I Met Your Mother great. Like, that's how good he becomes in the later episodes. Jessica Williams gets this beautiful – at first, you're just like – in that first episode, you're like, oh, good, a black a black coworker. That's yeah. Great. No, she gets a beautiful, nuanced storyline about her marriage and her life. And when Michael Yuri from Ugly Betty shows up, I have never laughed so hard. He plays a, Jimmy's best friend who's a lawyer. The girl that plays his daughter th- – guys, the show is about a therapist who is dealing with the grief – of his wife dying. And that's not a spoiler. And it just results in all these changes to his life. Listen, I've made every character of the show. I know this a character, if you're a character in the show, you're somebody in my real life. Like, my dad is Harrison Ford's character. Like, Dr. Paul, hands down. My friend, uh, Catherine, show friend of me, that is actually Heidi Gardner, Grace, people pleaser. Like, uh, <laughs> Krista Miller in this plays such a great, cranky, next door neighbor, but also Krista Miller girl, I feel you. You got a lot of work done and you didn't think through that you'd be filming this with your husband. Now, the show is uh, created by truly a trifecta. It's Jason Siegel, Bill Lawrence, and Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein is Roy Kent on Ted Lasso. Bill Lawrence created Ted Lasso with mm. Jason Sudeikis. And then Bill Lawrence also created Scrubs, Cougar Town, like a slew of good comedies, you know, that are fun. And this is very fun. Listen, the secret sauce in this show, and it's you. This is who you are in the show. And if you've watched it, it's Derek, Liz's husband. That is Max McCoy, played by Ted McGinley. It is because he is yeah. so like he's just walking a dog, and somebody's like, "Hey," and he's like, "Yeah, just walking a dog. I don't even own." Great. <laughs> like I got done fun. raising my kid ten years ago, but great, raising another one. Wonderful. <laughs> Love it. So it it actually surprised me how much I liked it as it went. Now. It feels like it happens in the Ted Lasso universe because okay, yeah. the number one reason why that music supervisor is a one note wonder. Like mm. they, I was like, is this Mumford and Sons again? What's happening? Like this, but in some ways it's very comforting. So I think this is a show that if you love just a feel good Jason Kadams vibe of twinkle lights and happiness, I think you weirdly would really love shrinking. It's actually okay. very good. I'm going to give it another shot now based on this, but I, I need to understand something because yeah. the, the jump off point for me was in the first episode. I don't think this is a spoiler. I'll speak vaguely. There is an ex-boyfriend character yes. who shows up at a high school soccer game. Right. How does he know about the high school soccer game? How does he know where to find Jason Siegel to show up and like beat him in the face? I, I didn't it, understand that. It, and there is no explanation. There is no. But it is a critical plot point for the rest of the show. So, is it really? Yeah. Like that guy shows up. We see him multiple times. We'll see him again. Well, and just everything I know about LA is like you have to take the 402 to the 9 to the 1 and cross yeah. over on the 904. Well, for, they're in Pasadena. So, it's, but it's like you can just park your, your electrical vehicle and like run to a song. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going to give it another try, though. I'm going to give it another try. Well, I will say for me, it really did take. And right now, there are five episodes out. There are going to be 10. New episodes are on Fridays. I, I think you have to get to episode. Well, really, just through two. And I okay. think you immediately go, oh, this is funnier than because I just don't think the first episode is very funny. See, that's the weird part is like normally the first episode is hot. Yeah. And the second episode sucks. So I thought, well, this is the best part of it. Well, then I'm no. not going to like this. But I just uh, I'm, I love Jason Siegel. You know, people, listeners on the Over Underachievers, they accuse me uh, of forgetting Sarah Marshall being my favorite movie. And they have dared me to make it one of our next cinema side pieces. Um, and I'm like, oh. 
challenge accepted because I want to oh. see Jamie's notes on Jason Siegel's uh, baby Siegel, yes. you know, because uh, <laughs> it's there a lot. Diglett? You see a lot of his diglet. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh. It's a lot. I don't know if. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's a whole nuanced conversation we have about uh, his diglet. But um, but I just I want this to be good. So I'm going to I'm going to well, listen. Shot. It's Harrison Ford. What what will get you sucked in is when you see. Jessica Williams and Harrison Ford do a lot of work together. I love and Jessica when Williams. you see Harrison Ford do work with another character, because it, it is a spoiler if I tell you who the other character is, but he does work. And then finally I'm like, well, there's, there's the Harrison Ford. I am interested okay. in seeing okay. like, Instead of trying to be Indiana Jones, yeah. I'm interested in this guy that's acknowledging that like he's struggling with an illness and that he's aging and that, you know, I like, I like this version of him so much better. So it gets so good as you move on. So Okay. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. What's your green light? I've got two. Uh, the first one is Plain English by Derek Thompson. We <laughs> I have- I love this show. We, I think we've alluded to it. We've talked yeah. to BFOTS about it. I've been leery about green lighting it because- I just don't like to greenlight other podcasts, especially ongoing podcasts. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But this one, man, it's just it's just so good that I wanted to share with other people. Um uh, for me, like there's there's so much noise and spin going on at all times that I have a hard time figuring out like what's actually real and accurate and unbiased, which is why I love Derek Thompson. I've liked him at the Atlantic. I've read him for a while now. So when I heard that he had a podcast on the ringer, I was like, well, I, I've got to check that out. Um, and each of his episodes, I, I was telling Ashley about it this weekend. I was like, anytime I've got an issue, I don't understand. It's always like within a day and a half, Derek Thompson has an episode about it. Yes. He has that ability to know like what's going on in the world. What are people struggling with understanding? Is it inflation? Is it real estate prices? Is it sky balloon stuff? And he always delivers one. And so his most recent one about the sky balloon was so helpful, but also kind of frustrating because he talks to two experts and in like 40 minutes explains what happened. And it's so simple. And I was like, for a whole week, I was wrestling with what actually is going on here. And he was just like, boom, boom, that's actually the issue. Here's what's going on. Um, So I think if if you're someone who maybe it's not the lightest and breeziest episodes, but if you just want to know what's up and you want to listen to smart people talk about smart things, plain English, that's the podcast for you. One of my favorite episodes is the one last month that was on the dark side of being obsessed with productivity. Yes. It was so good. Like, and just in terms of like happiness and time and, you know, it's, and so they're not all like event specific. And yeah, so every yeah. so often he throws in, it always feels like he's got like a prep of like, in case, you know, there isn't a balloon or a war. Yeah. Or a yeah. Something crazy. Up. And I think yeah. it's a good way to be like uh, the people he interviews, they are people then to follow and to yes. uh, see what they're up to. And they're always pretty good um, at, at what they're talking about and pretty competent and pretty intelligent. Uh, the other one, this feels like a formality at this point, probably a co-green light, but yes. The Last of Us, um, it's just, it's so freaking good. And why I didn't pick 2023 to be the year of Pedro Pascal is beyond me because he's just killing it as Joel in Last of Us. And with Mando season three coming next month, he's going to be the patron saint of escorting precocious beings across dangerous landscapes. And it's just, it's it, it, every single episode of Last of Us. I got Ashley and my son into it. They love it. It's so good. It, it's prestige TV. It's got the belt right now. Uh, it's obviously, you know, it was our pilot program pick um, uh, for uh, our BFODs. It's helmed by Craig Mazin, who did Chernobyl, also did The Hangover, weirdly enough. And it's the adaptation of the Neil Druckerman video game. Um, but it is, uh, I think we said this when we did our pilot program for BFODs. It's what The Walking Dead could have been, but didn't have like the the storytelling chops and honestly like the balls to do the way that yeah. The Last of Us is telling their story. So good. No, I agree. And listen, I will say this. I saw a big influencer, things I bought and liked, who who I love to follow on Instagram, but she was saying she watched the first two episodes and she was like, 
no, this is gross. This is mm. gross. And I was like, how dare you? you <laughs> just stick to Amazon. Like, yeah. don't tell us about how much you don't like this. And then people, of course, came for her. And she said, this was, the, and she later then came back and was like, well, that was the biggest mistake I ever made was telling y'all I didn't like the show because you all freaking love it. And you're screaming at me in my DMs. And we were because I didn't scream at her in her DMs. I screamed at her on my uh, nationally ranked podcast. So uh, <laughs> anyway, that's what I would say is like, I get it, it though. I mean, it is like there's there it's, are it's jump an apocalypse. scares and there, yeah, it, it's like, zombie stuff. And, it's zombie and, stuff. Uh, I, I think I described it here. Uh, we did something, and I described it somewhere else as like it, it, every episode is just like an emotional speed bag on your, uh, or uh, it's a speed bag on your emotional testicles. Yeah. Every single episode, it's not a fun hang, but it's good. It's good. It's like really good storytelling, you know? Yeah, so good. Um, okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. For you go remember any time you do any shopping on Amazon, make sure you go to amazon.com slash shop slash the podcast first. So your purchase user affiliate link or fair item purchase using that link this week was. Jamie, this is Super Mario Temporary Tattoos. Listen, these tattoos look really dope. Like, they're 4.8 stars out of 5, 722 global ratings. There's actually so little negativity about this, but I will point out Vance, who gave it two stars, and said, vivid and brilliant, but only for a day. My theme. My kid's theme for the birthday party was Mario Brothers, so these were perfect for their goodie bags. Uh, they were cool, bright colors, transferred as well as the others. Unfortunately, my child had just bathed, no skin oils. That's, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Please don't talk about your daughter's skin oils mm, in an Amazon do review. No. Okay. Um, and, and she was clean from any dirt. After drying her hair, I put the tattoo on and she was excited. In a few hours, she was off to bed. When she woke up, there were some cracks in the tattoo. You paid ten dollars for a thousand tattoos. It's a temporary tattoo. Did you expect this to be Kat Von D level work? It's not going to be that, Vance. Like that's on you for thinking this would be amazing. All right, and you guys, don't forget when you do go to our Amazon shop, we have fun little uh, list up of from the staff's favorites, and then we just put up one last week that was in our note for the audio newsletter. You can go to knoxandjamie.com/newsletter and sign up. And it was the ten things that make my every day at the PNG much easier. It actually confused Knox when so many people were buying pill box, pill uh, organizers. Mm. Uh, I love that pill organizer, so y'all should get it. But you can see that again if you go to Amazon.com slash shop slash the podcast. All right, you guys, I'm Jamie Golden. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamie B. Golden. I'm Knox McCoy. You can find me on the socials at Knox McCoy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.